Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. SideQuest. There have been films about earthquakes, airplane disasters, and blazing infernos. But there has never been anything like the Devil's Reign. Face. That wasn't your father. It was his face. Mother? Mother! Columbus! Damn you! They had no faces. The Devil's Reign. The 300 year search for the power to damn mankind is over. And the towering terror of the devil on earth is now unleashed. Hundreds of souls held captive in an eternity of hell. Seize him! Possessed by the devil. You, my son, have defiled all that is holy. Mother, my God, my God! They become his worshippers and his demons. The Devil's Reign. Starring Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine. Eddie Albert. William Shatner. Keenan Wynn. And Ida Lupino as Mrs. Preston. And with the special participation of Anton LaVey, High Priest of the Church of Satan. The Devil's Reign. Conceived by the producer of A Man Called Horse. Created by the masters of magic of Planet of the Apes. Together, they bring you a melting hell on Earth. And absolutely the most incredible, unforgettable ending of any motion picture ever. Heaven help us all when the devils reign. Do you think cinephiles are, are on this other end of the spectrum? But I think a cinephile is more of a student of cinema. A movie lover is going to be less discriminating. SideQuest. Bring some of this, Michael. Be one of us. Sometimes, that is better. I'm sick for fucks using one too many movies. No. Don't you blame the movie! SideQuest. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Okay. Show me. SideQuest. The podcast. You opened it. We came. It's just a podcast. We'll review your movie from every angle. SideQuest. Alright, hello and welcome listeners to SideQuest episode number 11. And before we kind of get into what we're doing here, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. As I am David from over on Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast, and I am being joined as always by... It's your man, man, Jake from Dark Mariachi Studios, and I'm here on behalf of Guitar Case Fuller Reviews Podcast. Perfect. So this time around, um, Jake and I had been talking you know, on and off because we've... Um, we kind of like some eclectic type movies, and when I kind of realized that we both are into 70s cinema, I was going through my list, and a movie title popped out to me as one that we could check out here. So for this episode here, we decided that we were going to watch The Devil's Reign from 1975. Now before I get into the movie and everything like that, um, had you ever heard of this movie before You know, it kind of was picked? No, um, this is another one, man. And I've been going through a lot of just obscure 70s, 80s movies just just because. <laughs> but <laughs> this one never came across my radar, which is weird because, well, we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit because I was looking up more like voodoo movies. 
and this is something a little different than that. So right. that may be why it never came up on my radar. But when I saw the cast list, man, I was super excited. Yeah, it's one of those wild things. And I actually have a uh, kind of funny line that somebody had said about this movie. But before we get to that, let me go ahead and introduce everything. And then we'll kind of start jumping into some of the you know background stuff that we found. But this movie is directed by Robert... I think it's Faust. Sounds right. I think that might be, or it's Faust. Now, what's interesting about him is that I have seen a couple of his movies, and it sounds like he kind of had a troubled career, but I had watched originally from him is The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Dr. Fibes Rides Again. I've seen both of those, and, you know, those are both kind of 70s movies with Vincent Price. Is that before this or after this? Yeah, before this movie. Okay, okay. And then this was written by Gabe S.O., James Ashton, and Gerald Hopman. And kind of going into what you know Jake was saying here is that this stars Ernest Borgnine, Eddie Elbert, and Ida Lupino. But if you kind of start scrolling down the cast list here, we have William Shatner, Tom Skerritt. Um, I guess Joan Prather was pretty decent back in the 70s with having some roles. And this also features the first debut on film for John Travolta, which is kind of crazy, and something that Jake and I were just talking about in our pregame as well is that this also features the high priest who actually started <laughs> um, Satanism of Anton LaVey. Yeah, that's an interesting pickup for your film. Right. <laughs> Honestly. And I know we were... Do you want to get into that discussion at all about how this is not really about that? Yeah, I mean, we kind of... What did he actually movie. advise is what is what I'm asking. Is this... How much yeah, of this actually, is actually part of that? What's interesting is that um, I have some friends who, you know, kind of follow the Church of Satan and everything like that. And actually, when I was younger, my dad went out and, like, he used to be part of, like, these, like, magazines where and he always knew that I was into horror. I mean, a lot thanks to him. But he actually had bought me a copy of the Necronomicon. There's an actual, like book where you could read like kind of what um like hp lovecraft had kind of put into it but he also got me um the satanic bible and i actually had read it a few years ago just to kind of see what it says and the interesting thing is like literally what this movie has going on is nothing like the actual religion of like satanism so how how is that as a read um, it's actually that's kind of really, interesting. Is that that's an interesting book to have? How's that? Satanism is kind of weird. Is that they don't look at Satan as like an evil entity, but more of kind of rebelling against organized religion. Where is it told like the Bible? More, it's more of like putting belief in humanity, and that you kind of go ahead and do things that better yourself, but you don't do it at the behest of other people. Like if it's going to hurt somebody you're not supposed to do it, but if it's, like, bettering yourself without hurting others, that's what they kind of encourage. Really? Well, yeah, I would have this, never guessed that, from, especially see, not based no on the movie. I had no idea until I was finally just like, you know what, heck, I'm just going to go ahead and read this just to kind of see what it has. But we were kind of talking pregame is that this is really more of witches and, like, a coven. They're just kind of interchanging Satanist with, you know, kind of this whole witch idea, because that was what, you know, the Salem witch trials, they thought that the Satan, that the witches were worshiping Satan. So I think that's what they're kind of playing off here. And this came out during like the satanic panic type era. Yeah. And that was popular because for some reason, all I can imagine in my head is, uh, have you ever seen Highlander? I have not. 
you never seen Highlander? Wow. No, isn't okay. That wild, right? Yeah, that's pretty wild for the kind of movies we're talking about here. Right. But there's a scene in that movie where they they find out he he came back to life and they're like, "You're in league with Lucifer." And I always, every time <laughs> I hear that, I, I always imagine that when I see these kind of movies or something. But yeah, I don't know. They're in league with Lucifer, but it's not quite satanic. I don't think. Right. Only thing that's, is satanic is that they're saying it is. I guess. Right, and that's where I kind of think that. Anton was more of trying to give himself like a movie career or to kind of get his name out there a bit more because like I said, reading the book that he wrote this follows nothing with what this movie is portraying. So and I want to make sure that I, because I read it and this is on Wikipedia so it could be wrong yeah. but they're saying this guy created it? The religion? Yes. Like he, I don't necessarily know if he he kind of created the organized version of it. The organized religion. Yes. That's, okay. Yep. So, okay. Because I was like, why would he, if he created it, why would he not make it right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know what right would be, but it doesn't feel like this is right. That's Yeah, that's because I was talking to Jamie about this because I was just telling her about how wild this movie was. And I was throwing that out to her and she was, you know, kind of confused and was wondering if like, the book that he wrote was a little bit different from what he actually believed, and that's why I kind of you know gave the counterpoint that I was just saying to you is that I'm almost wondering if it's more of just him wanting to be famous. I mean, I remember seeing like clips that he was dating like Jane Mansfield, who was a super popular actress and stuff like that, and that's where they kind of thought like when she died that she might have been involved in this stuff. A lot of that comes from like the tabloids wanting to say like how Satanists were you know running around. I mean, we're still dealing with that where people think. You know, satanic cults are ruling the world and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Right. Well, <laughs> but it makes sense because I know there was another trivia note about uh, Ernest Borgnine saying that um, the mafia oh, yeah. financed the movie. So it's no telling what this guy was really into. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I also saw that they were saying that a lot of weird things happened and that he would never, like, film a movie about this subject matter because it sounds like they might have had a plagued. Um, kind of set and everything like that like you'd hear with like poltergeist and like the exorcist and like the omen well i mean i think that happens i think i right. think things happen on set no matter what <laughs> but when you're doing something to that subject matter i'm sure the first thing in your mind is oh it's because of that so 100 i can i, I can 100 percent understand it's heightened senses because of what you're doing and you mm -hmm. notice and i mean it's humanity we always like to kind of picking correlate things together even if there's not necessarily like causation because i can just imagine somebody like you know doing something and then they're kind of shaken by what they're doing and they make a mistake right. <laughs> and then that causes the accident but everybody else thinks it's because of the movie <laughs> right so yeah it's but you know that's that's human nature i guess um, and I also did find it interesting that this is actually a co-production from Mexico and the United States, and it seems like they did a lot of the filming in Mexico, which I'm assuming was probably due to, like, tax breaks and things of that nature. That makes sense. Uh, one thing, um, and we, you want to go ahead and talk about the the mask thing I, I brought up earlier in the pregame? About the, uh, the, the Halloween mask tie-in? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... I thought it was interesting, and I and I talked to David about it, but uh, I found out the same guy who made the actual Star Trek mask that they used for Halloween did the mask effects for this movie, Don yep. Post Studios. So it made sense because I was like, 
because there's a there's a moment where I was like, and I was watching it with my little six year old uh, niece, yeah. and she's really into Halloween right now. Oh, okay. And uh, she was like, "Oh, it looks like Michael Myers," and I was like, "Yeah, it does, doesn't it?" And then I was like, "Wait a minute," because the eyes are all blacked out. I'm like, "Wait a minute." So then I started looking, just did a quick internet, not like a thorough one, but a quick internet search. And then I saw um, a lot of comparison pictures people had posted showing like how it was so similar because, and then I found out the same guy made him. So, I mean, it's pretty cool that, <laughs> that it actually looks like his face though. I mean, you really, I didn't, I never thought the Halloween mask looked like William Shatner, but this mask that I saw in this movie, it looks, you can see it. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting because of that one you sent me where there's like the comparison side by side, it makes so much more sense when you can see like what they use for this movie and how it's compared next to it when they like spray paint it completely white. Yeah. And like I showed Jamie that and it's actually interesting because like we were like you were saying we were talking about it and I was like, oh, you know, that probably makes sense how they kind of had that. But it's kind of wild that like they made it for this movie because they like we'll get into it, but like they needed to have the eyes blacked out. Mm-hmm. And then it's wild that they decided that, oh, since Star Trek is so popular, we can just turn this into, like, a way to make money by having <laughs> yeah. these be William Shatner Star Trek masks. Mm-hmm. And then what you were saying, how they end up selling, like, three of them to the Halloween, you know, thing, and they just spray-painted it white. And all they literally, outside of that, is they just, like, tease the hair where it's, like, wild instead of having the, like, you know, William Shatner comb-over that we're kind yeah. of all used to. <laughs> Makes it a little disheveled, but... Yeah. I think they cut the eyes a little open, more open, too. Yeah, yeah, they kind of unformed the eyes where... Cause I, I, we'll get into it here, but, like, I think they do a pretty solid job of making these people look like who they are with mm-hmm. these, like, type of masks on. Yeah, and I and I, I know in the movie, I saw a note somewhere where it was not a complete mask, but it was more of a facial prosthesis kind of deal. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought, too. Like, it almost seemed like they had just the, like upper half of it like around the nose and would just put like some makeup to make it blend because it doesn't look like because i mean they're able to move their mouth and like yeah. talk normally and everything like that that so, looks like, to be was, the only part that's open is the mouth right right yeah yeah because like yeah well they have that is more of like where it's kind of closed off so it almost seems like what you were just saying i think you're dead on is that it's more of just the probably almost like uh, like the Phantom of the Opera type thing where it goes up and over the nose where you can kind of just blend around it so they can still use the like lower half and talk. And that's the only part that kind of looks, I think it looks great for, you know, being practical, but you can tell like the upper part of their face is not actually them. Yeah, for sure. And there's some stuff in here that's um, not as good, but I think the effects are pretty decent. Yeah. As far as what they did with the practical stuff. Because there's a lot of things happening. And, I mean, there's some that look kind of weird, but for the most part, I'd say for the most part, it's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Especially for the middle 70s. Yeah. That's That's why I kept thinking 80s. I was like, they're really heavy in the effects, but it feels almost 80s style effects. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't know what else Don Post has done, but. I don't know if that was just this and Star Trek and go to the bank. I don't know. Because I know Star Trek probably would have been a, a good a good paycheck for this guy. Oh, yeah. I was just saying that, too. Especially because that show got syndicated not too long after, like, you know, it's heyday and everything like that. So that's just royalty checks just rolling in. Yeah, really. Okay. Uh, you got anything else, man, you want to add for the... Yeah, actually, the, the, what, one thing I found to be weird is that in the trivia I saw that a... 
Um, it looks like a Australian film reviewer calls this movie a bit ironic because it's about a cult, has a cult following, was devised with input from a cult leader, and saw a future superstar indoctrinated into a cult that he helped popularize. And what he's getting at there for the second half is, on set, Joan Prather gave John Travolta a copy of Dianetics, and that led him eventually to join the Church of Scientology and put him where he is today because of this movie. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's wild that, like, the first part of it is literally talking about, like, you know, there's a cult in the movie. So have you read a, that book, too? I haven't read that one. Um, I have seen the South Park episode where oh, okay. they explain everything like that. that and it is just wild that people believe that, which, I mean, I don't want the Church of Scientology to come after me because I've also heard some scary things there, but... It is pretty well. Allegedly, alleged, allegedly. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything David just said, allegedly. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, they're pretty Word bad the about <laughs> coming after people. So yeah, we don't need that kind of smoke <laughs> for our podcast here. <laughs> so thank you. Whatever you guys are doing, uh, allegedly. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's really weird and kind of creepy. I mean, I would. I'm interested to know more about the book. Cause now I didn't I didn't realize you could just get that book. Though some of the books yeah. you were saying, I didn't realize it was just available. So, but I've never really looked for them either. So I guess that's probably why I didn't know that. Well, cause I know it's cause it's wrote by L. Ron Hubbard. I know that it originally was a science fiction novel, and then, see that that's what I had heard yeah. about that, and yeah. that's why I was always like, wait a minute, cause I've I've, you know, when people talk about something. And you don't know what they're joking about and what they're using hyperbole about. Right. So I've heard stories about it, and it I just assumed it was hyperbole. Right. But I don't know about aliens and stuff. Is that yep. anything you've heard? Yeah, from what I gather, it's about how these aliens came to Earth and then ended up into, I believe, like a volcano. When the volcano erupted, it, like went into like the clouds and everything which it does and then like rained down so humanity absorbed part of these aliens and they can run a test to find out the amount of the, almost kind of like Star Wars where the oh, wow. that midichlorians? Of, like, yep that <laughs> they can literally run a test and certain people have higher concentrate of this and you know the Man. more that you have the more they want you to be part of you know their religion Oh god! So that's that makes total sense. Okay, yeah. not really. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. That 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 would be a good movie. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Let's make a South Park episode. Yeah, make it make a make it into a um, <laughs> anthology film series. And make that one of the episodes. I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, but uh, okay. That, yeah, I don't. Anything else you have on the? Uh, you know what? Uh, I did see that. Um, they, you said Vincent Price was the star of his other two films? Yes. and it sounds I saw like that, had, that he wanted him for this film. Yep, originally. and it almost seemed like they wanted him for a couple different roles, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Yeah, I wonder if it was like a scheduling thing, cause, or if he didn't like this guy anymore. I don't know. I don't know what their relationship was. It is interesting, because I would definitely recommend, because uh, The Abominable Dr. Fives is, Vincent Price is a doctor who gets revenge on the doctors that, like, couldn't save his wife so he starts to enact the plagues i think of egypt in the first one 
on those doctors as a way oh, wow. to like kill them. Does he off. have supernatural powers or? No, but like, he just has like he's really smart and carries these like different contraptions. That'll, I mean, it's almost like Saw, like like a pre-Saw. Yeah, like thirty years before you know Saw was even like a thing. So and Jigsaw it, saw those movies and then did yeah, I, yeah, James Wan and Lee Wanell must have been like, oh, let's kind of do this in a little bit different way here, do a little bit grittier. That's one thing. Um, that's one thing I do like finding out when you see these older movies. You can see like bits and pieces that somebody may have saw a bit and piece and then like took it a whole whole direction of their own. Oh, but no, that, sure. that's always interesting watching these old movies to see those little moments and little ideas that you see like you know taken further later on oh for sure all right well i don't have i don't have anything else on this man if you want to go ahead and jump into it yep all right so this movie here we um we kicked this off actually with the old painting by i'm probably going to say his name wrong but it's Hieronymus bosch and it's actually kind of an interesting painting i just did a google search before we started recording and it seems to be one of his most famous but it has like you know like a town on fire and like demons are torturing humanity, and we're kind of getting the credits over top of this. And I like I don't know about you, but I really like these opening credits. Yeah, I mean I didn't like the credits, but I do like the uh, yeah the, like the backdrop. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I always rem- I always got to remember in older movies that they put everything they front loaded kind of the yep. credits, but you know at least they gave us because a lot of times you can get a black screen so. True. At least we got, like, actually some imagery. And, yeah, this is kind of setting the stage for some demonic torture, sins of uh, biblical proportion type stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's really setting the stage for what we're about to get into. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a good way to start it as far as that. Uh, now, where we get where we start at is kind of interesting, though. Yeah, because <laughs> actually this will um we'll end up getting to it. But, actually, this also developed a problem that I had with this movie. But before I get to that... We are in like an older house, it's storming outside, and the house is owned by the Prestons. Now, we have the mother and her one son of Mark, who is portrayed by William Shatner, and then there's also, I think he's supposed to be like a farmhand of John, and I didn't realize who they were like waiting for at first, but it turns out they're waiting for the father to come home, and it is just like, you know, torrential downpour, just crazy rains, and... But so where did the, the father is go? Worried about this Corbus guy that she believes that she's been having nightmares that he's after them. So where did the father go? Do we ever know that? I don't know. I don't. Was he going to confront Corbus, or we don't even know that for sure? I'm not sure what he was doing because I almost take it as he wasn't going to confront Corbus, but because she's worried about it, that's kind of setting the stage that he could be in the area. But it seems like nobody knows that he's in the area yet. Okay, because I know later they're going to kind of drop some exposition about this storm, about how it was so bad and it washed out a lot of the roads and some people got stuck. So I wasn't sure if they were saying that he went to go look for that guy or if he was just out on the way home and just got, never came home. I just think they're farmers to to me or at least like people living like that type of lifestyle. So I just assumed he was out. But you actually kind of brought up my problem is that they were supposed to have this horrible storm, but every time you look outside, it looks like it hasn't rained there for, like, a month. And that's one of the issues that I had. Well, I, I will tell you this. Being from Texas, man, that's how Texas is. Okay. That, <laughs> so are we, I don't, I don't okay. remember where we are in this movie. What state are we in? It never says, but I know it's out west. So okay, because, yeah. 
I, if you remember, we we did a podcast shortly after. If you remember, we had below's um, like really like single digit, like ten fifteen degree weather, mm-hmm. with ice and everything closed down for a whole week, and then that weekend it was fifty to seventy, and it was nothing on the road. You could never tell. Okay, so so Texas, I- Texas, it can rain and storm one day and then be dry like that afternoon. <laughs> okay, then I'm glad. No, I'm glad you told me that because that was one of the issues that I had. I'm like, it's supposed so to be this so it's, horrible. So we're in the rains. south somewhere. That's the south. That's the southern thing. Okay, that makes sense then. Because I know around here, if we got like we were getting flash flood warnings like all weekend, and like you just walk outside and you can clearly see like like standing water still in certain areas so that makes sense then you know that the midwest you can see the effects still so i appreciate you bringing that up because you know having never lived out there that that makes more sense to me yeah i mean it can happen there i think we had that same thing where it was something about snow uh, i had no idea (laughs) and then you were like no that doesn't make sense because that's not what would happen i was like okay so yeah that's that's having us living in in two different parts of the country we do kind of experience some different weather (laughs) I appreciate it because that helps me to kind of, you know, alleviate some of my issues. Yeah, but I mean, but still, I know what you're saying because there's never anything to let us know that there's damage from the water. Right. (laughs) Even though they say it, and if it could have dried up, we should see something. Well, because my initial thought was going to be that, oh, maybe this storm is literally just hitting this house and, like, just the surrounding areas as kind of a supernatural thing. But then when the sheriff is worried about, like, he's been like, I'm so busy right now driving around helping all these other people that I'm like, well, no, this is clearly something that has hit at least this area. Yeah, it's it's something they threw in there, but I guess they just wanted us to to have some exposition about it, so. Yeah, okay. So, okay, okay, but let's, um, okay, so let's get back in this house. (laughs) So William Shatner walks in the door with a cowboy hat on. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not his cowboy head doesn't look like because it's it's weird seeing him with just a flannel shirt on just talking like james kirk but he's a um, form a farmer's son his delivery yeah <laughs> where he just he he doesn't oh, alter God. for anybody no he's he's james kirk every time and shatner more he's more of a um character of himself now but or at oh, least yeah is he even still alive? I think so, right? Yeah, I think so. I feel like I've seen was, him in something recently. It wasn't too long ago that he was doing commercials. Commercials, that's what it was. That Yeah, for the one of those websites. Some kind of, where yeah, some kind could, of thing. Yeah. I remember seeing him in commercials. That's what it was. Yep. Okay. But yeah, but it's it's just weird seeing him. His line deliveries. I Until he until later in the movie, which I think he does better later in the movie, but early here it's kind of kind of yeah. weird. No, it annoyed me during this scene where he's talking to his mother. And I will give you, like, not to jump ahead, but, like, when he actually goes and meets Corvus, I thought he was fine from then on. Yeah, he gets better. He gets better. Yep. So I I, I do give him that for sure. Now, (laughs) so I didn't know who John was, and we were talking about that, too. I was like, is that their old uncle? Is that her dad? Like, but he was bringing her tea, so I figured he was, like, an uncle or a butler or something. But you're saying he was like a farmhand that worked with That's right? kind of what I took it as. I mean, he could also be, um, like, one of the, like, either the mother or the father's, like, brother who has just kind of 
doesn't have a family of his own, so he's been kind of just like with them and helping out and stuff. That's kind of just what I took him as. Is this real? Is this real time to the movie? As far as like the year of the movie, I believe. Like, is this so. happening in nineteen seventy something? I believe so. I think yeah. I think within. I mean, maybe not necessarily seventy five, but I think it's supposed to be that like around like plus or minus like you know a couple years. Because without the cars, I I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure. Because we have cars. Because I yeah. feel like it could be. I mean, the style of cars we have. Because it yeah. feels like it could be like sixties or maybe a little earlier. I guess yeah. Tom Scarrett's kind of seventies s the way he looks, maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll get to him later. <laughs> <laughs> but so okay, then, I'll go for it. Keep going. Oh no, yeah, you're good. Uh, he kind of we have our first kind of creepy moment where they go outside because a vehicle pulls up, and when they do, we I get to meet who is the father. I'm assuming, and he does not have eyes. And <laughs> this is where the mother tells Mark, who is you know Shatner, that that's no longer his father. That he's been taken. And we get to see this guy as he melts in the rain. Yeah, and he's and also he's talking about uh, Corbus wanting the book. Yep. And uh, it, this is a really creepy effect that they're going to use a couple times in the movie. For sure. Yep. And I think it's I think it's pretty cool because this is pretty early on in the movie to get this kind of a uh, just. <laughs> Well, that, that's what I'm telling you. Like this movie didn't pull any punches with like its pacing because it just jumps right in for this. Because I feel like this isn't how these kind of older movies. I mean, nowadays you have to do that, but I feel like that's not what you used to get. You used to get a lot more setup before. Well, not like that. You, know, you we don't get, get that this. a lot of times with like a cult film or like ones where you're dealing with you know Satanists because a lot of times they like to play off the thing is that you might not know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seemed kind of crazy, but yeah, he, and he's just melting. He melts. All the way down. <laughs> and the mom knows. Uh, so, and this is something I said earlier. Nobody seems to be reacting like like it's scary that their dad's face is melting and he has no eyes. Like, everybody's just looking and listening to what he's saying. And I'm like, no, <laughs> your dad's face is melting. Get him in out of the rain or scream or something. React. I think <laughs> that Mark should have reacted. I don't think... I'm fine with Mrs. Preston and, like, John not reacting. So I'm almost wondering if oh, they've they seen something on. similar before. Okay. So, like, this isn't necessarily new to them. But I agree with you. I think Mark should have a much bigger reaction because I would be terrified if I saw this guy pop around, looks like my dad, and then just starts melting. Yeah, and Mom is translating, uh, I guess, Latin or what? I don't know what, what language Yeah, something like that. I believe it's probably Latin. So as we go back in the house here... I, my question is, does Mark know what's going on? Because I know the mom knows, because she's going to explain it kind of here. But I take does it that he, know? he does, that he knows of this. He knows who Corbus is. Mm -hmm. I believe like the family has talked about it because of like it being such an important thing. And we were, I know earlier you were saying that you thought maybe he just didn't totally believe it, but he kind of knows what I of take it. it as, yeah. Okay, yeah, that that kind of makes sense because he kind of has some pushback early. Yep. Until he sees the father, then he's like, "Okay, now I got it." And he's not even like kind of down for it. He grabs a gun out of the right. dresser and he's, like, "I'm gonna handle it my way." And then, and then we're getting introduced to something supernatural here, some kind of amulet. That's what I was actually just gonna bring up is that the mother tries to give it to him, and that's where I kind of feel like it's that she that he doesn't necessarily believe because she's like, "Here, if you wear this amulet, he cannot, his power won't have any effect on you," and he's like. 
no, like, you know, I don't need it. And he seems more of like that there's a natural way that you can kind of take care of these things, which, I mean, is with the gun that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, he just, I think that's a cool reveal shot. How he just kind of slowly pulls it out. Yep. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, and that's why I started thinking, like, that what we're about to get into right now, when we get into uh, Redstone, when he goes yep. to Redstone, that feels like that opening scene in, um, what did I say, Lord of Illusions, where they're going yep. to go get the people, and they go to this dusty, desolate kind of place. And yep, out in the middle of the desert, where yeah. this cult has been like living in this rundown house. Yeah, it feel, that's when it starts feeling kind of like that, when we're, all, we're trying to go find somebody out in the yep. desert doing some crazy stuff. Yep. But yeah, that's... So the amulet, and it was something I was I was gonna check, cause you know what that amulet looked like to me, and I I could be way off, man. What's that? It looked like the leprechaun amulet from um, uh, from the second one, or was the it, third one. It, it or, makes two appearances. It's in the it, one it's with the ice tea. Second and the third. Yep. No, it's in the one with ice tea too. That's oh, like the real? Oh, fifth or sixth one. Cause ice tea has the amulet for some reason. Okay. Cause I know <laughs> that is. It looked I know like for that sure one to it's me. in three because that's yeah when three is yeah for sure three. where the the yeah punch no no it wasn't in it two it wasn't in two it was in three and it was in five okay now, those two no okay no it's not the same amulet but it looks similar it does look similar I looked it up right now it, it, this one has a giant ruby in the middle but okay. the outside <laughs> part looks the, like similar okay so there sorry sorry for that. <laughs> No, no. That's but as when I saw it, I was like, what? Is this a leprechaun tie-in? What are we talking about? <laughs> well, okay. also, when she pulls that amulet out, is that she also reveals that she does have this book that Corbus wants, and inside of it is all of the names of anybody who has joined with this cult and that he wants it back for some reason. And what we're, So pretty much what we're saying, told, is this is a book of souls, right? Yes. Or okay, I want to make that clear. That I, I wasn't sure about that to the end. I think you. It's the list. Think, it's the list of souls. Yes, that, I think you has. need that in order for the souls to be given over. Yes, yeah, so that's the list of souls. Yeah, because I wasn't clear about that the first time I watched it until the very end, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's what we're talking about." Because that and book is in pristine condition. Just to cover ourselves, is that we will be doing spoilers like we normally do, but just so anybody knows that everything we've revealed so far has been within the first like five minutes of the movie but anything past this just as a heads up yeah because i know we're kind of dipping into some of the stuff that happens later but so if you do want to be fresh this is the time to pause and go watch it and then come back exactly for sure okay so you want to get into uh redstone oh yeah actually just before that um is when mark goes out to the car and finds that nobody's oh. in it <laughs> yeah I and there's about that. That a voodoo doll is actually pinned to the steering wheel and then while he's out there, he hears, like, a commotion going on in the house, goes back in to find that his mother is missing, and John has been strung upside down. And it's a like matter of seconds. A it's like right. a matter of seconds. As soon as he gets to the car, he sees the voodoo wax soap sculpture thing, and then it all happens just like that. <laughs> oh, yep, really? exactly. Okay. Yep, and then, um, yeah, and then I guess I wrote this down as a kind of an interesting line is that Mark is told that his mother has gone over the sun and they had no faces are the people that took her. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I guess technically, yes. I guess if they don't... And see, that's something with, with John. He, I didn't think he... I didn't realize he was... But I feel like he's slower, a slower guy. Like, yeah, mentally. Yeah, he might be. Or at least he's, like, kind of 
just being older where he's kind of having a little bit kind of, of lost like, scatterbrained or something because there's a yeah. scene later where they're trying to get him to remember something and they're doing it like you would do a kid they're making him repeat it yeah so i wasn't sure if he was like kind of slow or maybe it is just an old man and he's losing his mind a little bit and i mean the other thing could be is that he's a little bit older and then just terrified so it might be hard for him to kind of you know he might be blocking it because he doesn't want to remember yeah could be okay okay i got you all right we can keep going all right, yep, and then, as you were saying, they end up going, or Mark ends up going to the town of Redstone because he wants to have a showdown with Jonathan Corbis, who is portrayed by the great Ernest Borgnine, which, kind of wild that he's in this movie. It is. Oh, hey, before we go, before we get into him, I, I got one more thing we got to remember. Uh, when, the, when he goes back, that house, it looks like somebody has robbed him or something. Everything's house, yeah, destroyed. Because yep. it's going to come back later, so... I just want to make sure everybody remember that. Go ahead and remember that that happened. The house was totally destroyed. As far as the furniture and everything inside. And yeah, and then it's actually interesting. This Redstone is a desolate, pretty much ghost town. Except when Mark pulls in, he goes to get some water from a hand pump. And nothing's coming out but dust. But then when Corbus steps out, he is able to get water to come out of it. And I mean, he's, he's pretty much showing his powers here and just showing that he's able to do some magical things here. Yeah, and, and this guy, I, he's from so many movies, it's just ridiculous. Yes, but, he's um, a classic actor. <clears throat> yeah, he, I love him as a character actor. But uh, I really like his eyes. His eyes are just so intense. And he yes. comes out like dressed as a cowboy kind of, like <laughs> yes, Western wear. Yep. And he's just kind of casually... T- and. and William Shatner has just such an intense look on his face as he's walking up to him. I will only talk to Corbis. And he's like, well, you're talking to him. And they're just having this dialogue. He's all in his face. And he's really kind of ignoring him. Corbis is kind of ignoring him, it seems like. Not ignoring him, but he's not intimidated. So even though William Shatner's like two inches from his face delivering lines. Yeah. He's just like, okay, whatever. Where's the book? That's all he wants to know. Where's the book? (laughs) So what... actually. I just want to ask one question here, because yeah. they're going to go into the temp to this church. Yes. But there's a moment where he's, like, talking about winning or losing. And if I win, I, I mean, what what is this game they're about to play? I was actually going to bring that up. Um, it's a, a challenge is set forth is that Mark believes they're going to do a faith versus faith. Is that Mark oh, is a Christian. Oh, do they say that? Yeah. He's like... Uh, it, I had wrote it down as that Mark had, he's the one that actually lays the challenge down. And the reason being is that he wants to get his parents back. So he says that, you know, his faith is stronger and Corbus takes it immediately. And he's all about it. And that's where they kind of set up the terms. So that, okay. So I didn't, I, I was watching him, but I didn't understand that's what, what was happening. Cause I was in my mind, I'm like, okay, what is the game that we're playing here? Because we're just praying. I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Not yep. playing, but praying. So yeah, like, I, think, I don't know what we're doing. Well, I think part of the thing here is interesting is that Corbus knows that his powers are more flashy. Where, you know, Mark praying to God. I mean, unless I mean, you get in some movies where you can actually have like divine intervention, but this one's actually playing it more straight. Where like God doesn't te- like doesn't. No, he doesn't always intervene with things. I think that's kind of what they're going for here. He doesn't feel like a religious figure, though. So I don't, I don't understand why he thinks he has the power. Like he doesn't feel like he's a 
devout Christian. So I don't yeah, know. It, it I don't know why he feels like he has the ability to kind of harness this power. I, I don't think it works that way. I mean, not say, I don't know how it works. If that, how people believe it, because I, I'm not really a big religious person, so I'm not really into that. But I know people that are, and I know there's things people believe. But I, I always in my mind imagine you have to already be like a priest or something, or you have to be devoted to that religion already to tap into that power. I always right. imagined, and yeah. I don't feel like I, I don't. I don't know. I think this is a bad matchup. <laughs> That's right. what I think. I think he's underestimated. It's like a guy off the like. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, <laughs> this is. I'm sorry. I'm jumping off topic, but when uh, when they had that fight where Nate Robinson, the the basketball player, got knocked out, oh, by, yeah. I think it was Jake Paul or the other yeah, Paul, one of the Pauls. One of the Pauls, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, it's like that. It's like, wait a minute, you're you're in the wrong thing here, man. You're not playing basketball, so you're you're gonna lose. I just don't I don't understand why you think it's gonna be a competition. So like, I feel like <laughs> that's why I was thrown off because I was like, this guy is like almost not the devil, but he's devil adjacent. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why you think you can beat him, in a, and you're not even religious. Like, I just thought, I thought that was weird. Well, see, I got the idea from this because shortly after, I mean, kind of just to get the other part of the terms here, is that Corbus says that if, well, Mark throws out there that if he loses, then Corbus gets the book, and then Corbus adds on a little addendum here that he also gets Mark's soul. But they end up going to this boarded-up church, and inside there is that we kind of have dueling prayers going on and that's where it also kind of reinforced i was like oh yeah they're trying to do faith versus faith that whoever you know is stronger in what they believe in will you know kind of prevail as the winner yeah and this is the this old uh looks like an old school church like an abandoned church but inside is the altar and yes all the the stuff they have for this church and um i don't <laughs> I just thought this is a weird scene because he's just literally just doing the Lord like a, a mutated version of the Lord's Prayer, I think. Yeah, I thought that Because he's not saying the exact words as I remembered them. Right. <laughs> he's just kind of saying, it's almost like Dream Master of Nightmare on Street where she makes like a fake version of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. They just kind of yes. yeah. put whatever you want in it, I guess. I guess it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> so obviously he loses. Yes. <laughs> and... Don't they just, like, all just overpower him, pretty much? Well, yeah, because, I mean... At one point? I think part of what happens here is he does see his mother is is in the cult now. Oh, yeah, she talks to him for a second, right? Yep. But I also think it's interesting is that he kind of panics after that, and I know he shoots one of them, and we... This movie does well in trying to avoid too much censorship because the blood that comes out is very just kind of like... like This movie's PG? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I guess that's why we have green, green and yellowish color blood. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think they kind of get away with it there. And, you know, he ends up realizing that he's not going to be able to win and tries to flee from here. And this is where we kind of get an interesting scene outside where Corbis, oh, somebody's in his car, right? Somebody's in his car and then Corbus makes that amulet become a snake to him. So he throws it off. Yeah. And he's using that power. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's the power of illusion. Getting back to that reference. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting that I almost wonder if, you know, Clive Barker might have seen this and... You know what? That guy would be an interesting cult leader. After seeing this movie, I would have been interested in seeing him as a... Play (laughs) more roles like this. Like, But he said he wouldn't do it. He said he didn't want to do it, but... 
I would have loved to see him as a cult leader and some with those eyes and that deliveries. I would have loved to see that. I'll be tell. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's it's kind of it's kind of crazy, man. And then somebody just like steps on the amulet so he can't get it back. Yep, this is yep. when they is that when they overpower him? Does he go to the car and see somebody in the driver's seat first? I think this is all kind of yeah in that same exact spot, and then that's the where same. they overpower him and take him back into the church. Okay, so this is where we are introduced to his brother, right? Yeah, we have this hard transition to an some kind of medical medical uh, school or something. Yeah, because we have Doctor Sam Richards and we have Tom Preston, and Tom is portrayed by Tom Skerritt, and they're <laughs> doing this thing with his wife of Julie, who. They, from what I wrote down is that she's able to control her heart rate and is able to kind of almost obtain like zen where she can, you know, stay super calm. And she then flashes like images of some things and it kind of makes her upset. And that's also when Tom gets a note that something has happened with his family. Yeah, it's it's a really weird experiment because I wrote down what what are we doing here? What kind yeah. of experimenting? Because we're talking about extra sensory perception and trying to tap into brain waves and she has the ability to, like you were saying, to slow down her breath to a state of where she can control something, yeah. but she's not closing her eyes, which is really weird to me. Because I feel like your yeah, eyes I know be we talked about this in like the pregame. I'm almost wondering if if you can kind of calm yourself down that much that it might be almost tapping into parts of the brain where, like, we don't necessarily have control of, and that might make her susceptible to kind of, like, we were, like, ESP and, you know, kind of more, like, psychic-type things. But we're going to see that she's a full-on psychic. Yes. So, and see, and I was like, are we, are we making powers? Are we creating? Is this, like, some kind of weird experiment, like the shop for Stephen King? Like, what are we doing? Because I thought we were giving her powers, but I guess she's just a psychic and we don't know why. I guess yeah, we know almost, whatever their whatever experiment they're doing worked. I guess that's what we're saying. Yeah, because I don't ever think they talked about giving her injections or anything like that. So I do almost feel like if she like didn't some kind of know meditation? she had it, it might have been her kind of doing these type of things with her body and kind of unlocking it. Almost like Stir of Echoes. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. But see, so even in that, man, it was like, it was more like a meditation, I felt like. But then, yeah, he gets hypnotized, which hypnotized, is not that yeah. much different, though, from, like, you know, being kind of looking inside of yourself and able to kind of calm yourself like that. I could almost see something like that opening yourself up to, like, extrasensory type stuff. Any, yeah, from anywhere. Right? Yeah. yeah, I got what you're saying. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting thing, but I think it doesn't... It's not going to come to anything, in my opinion. <laughs> right, and I mean, I almost wish sometimes that movies... I understand like we cut things, but like this movie literally only runs like um, like an hour and 26 minutes. I feel like you add four or five minutes, you could easily kind of explain this. Like, you don't even need to over-explain it. Just give us You just a need like a bit. scene or two. Maybe yeah. one scene just to let us know what's going on before we just jump cut into this. <laughs> From what we already I mean, have been watching, matter of fact. You could literally add, like, a 20-second explanation from the doctor. Yeah, anything. Because he's, he's talking, but he's not really saying anything. No. In my opinion. And you know what I thought was weird as we exit this scene? You say yep. he got the... So Tom got the note, like you said, and yep. his parents... Something happened with his family. 
But we're still in the middle of this experiment, right? She start she starts talking about the visions. And well, she's seeing, like, Does the, she panic at the end of it because she gets flashes of, like, Mark being tortured and, like, some other things that foreshadow what's going to happen later? Does she start freaking out at the end of this scene? At the very end, but I thought, one, okay. one thing I thought was really interesting, one line, the doctor's like, it's almost like she's watching a movie. And wow. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so she's watching the movie with us because she's seeing scenes from the movie in her mind that we haven't cool. got to yet. So she's yeah. watching the movie with us. So she knows what's going to happen, but I think she doesn't understand what she's seeing completely to know, I guess. Yeah, no, that's... But, like, that's but yeah, like you're saying, like, yeah. Like, she freaks out because at the end, because she's seeing everything that's going to happen type deal. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's... I just wish... I wish we had something more to do with this besides exposition, though. Yeah, right. I just really wish we did because this is kind of a cool... It's a really big thing to add. It's, it's like a lot of extra salt added if you're not going to... Add something else to even out the salt you're putting in it. Right. <laughs> if you're going to add extra salt, you got to even that out so it's not salty. But they were like, nah. I want all the salt. Let's just add in. And there's a couple other things going to happen. We'll get to it. But, yep. yeah, this is not. This is for not. So after, so after this, where are we going? We're going back to him and her investigating yeah, the house? It's, it's interesting to me here is that Tom... And the doctor are going to meet at his parents' house, so he must at least know where he's from. But Tom and his wife are going to head out first, and they actually meet with the sheriff of uh, Sheriff Owens. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't believe anything's going on. He doesn't believe anybody's living in Redstone, and that the storm is really kind of like messing up things because he's got to help so many different people. But Tom just tells him that you know he's not going to wait around and he's going to head to Redstone with his wife to try to see, you know, if his brother and his family is there or not. And I think it's kind of bullshit, because this sheriff... So, John told them what happened. Yep. And so he never talked to John about it? I don't understand. All you have to do is have a conversation with him. I don't understand why you can't right. call the house. I mean, I guess the only thing I can see there is that John could probably relay what happened, but, I mean, are you necessarily going to believe, like, that some of the supernatural stuff type happened? But he's kind of acting like he just has no idea. Okay, because he's going to make the most ridiculous comment. And this is going back to what I what I kind of put a nail in, a pin nail in earlier. He's like, do you really think the storm uh, messed up the house? He's like, well, you saw the furniture, oh. didn't you? The house, of course, <laughs> yeah. the storm could have did that. He's like, I'm like, what are you talking about? The yeah. And nothing's wet? <laughs> but right. everything's just not, no, what are you, it's not a tornado. What are you talking about? What, do you think wind just blew through the house, knocked everything over like that? And blew everybody out of the house, I guess? Yeah. I don't understand what yeah, you're talking that about, was, I Sheriff. forgot all about that line, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> so this guy hadn't, hadn't, I think this guy is full of shit. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that backed up. I think I think he's got some time on his hand. He just would yeah. rather be doing something else but doing it. He that. also seems like one of those small-town sheriffs where, like, there's not a whole lot to do. So, like, when somebody gives him something to do, he really doesn't want to do it because he's got you know, better things to do with his time, and it's literally nothing that's that Because this guy's got two deputies, tops. Tops. Right. And they're probably both yet. of the ones doing all the stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, nah, this... Yeah, but he's going to come back later. But at first, I was thinking, like, well, is he working with them? He's trying to protect this town? But nah, I just think he's an incompetent sheriff. Right. I thought that same thing, because, like, with something that happens later, I was like, is he working with them? But, like... It doesn't fit in line with 
Because like people can't go back and forth from their looks, so I get. I don't think he's working with them at this time. No, I think they just got him. Maybe, maybe they're that shorthand for he started looking into it later. Could be. And then yeah. they caught him and just transformed him. And that's gonna get into something else about the ceremony they do. We'll get into that later, but yep. I'm I'm interested how many times they do this ceremony when we get to it. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, because then actually from here, we do cut back over to what's going on in the town, and we see that Mark, actually the first images that Julie saw are actually coming true here, where Mark is being tortured on the altar of Satan, and they actually have this weird kind of thing where one of the cult members is Lilith, and you know she kind of like kisses him, and it turns into his mother, and this is where Corbus first calls Mark Martin Fife, which will actually come back into play um, a little bit later. Yeah, so yeah, this is a, this is kind of an intense scene, actually. Yeah, I thought it was kind of kind of cool where you think it's this young pretty girl, and then it ends up being his mom with no eyes, and then right. <laughs> they got his chest all painted with something, some kind of symbol or something. Yep. and he's just laying on a cross, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's pretty, and it's the scream he lets out at the end of the scene is really. I don't know if that was voice. Uh, ADR, if he actually did that, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was actually. I thought it because it was really, really a creepy yep. scream. Agreed. So I was like, did he did he really pull that out, or did did somebody do that in the in the studio? Because it was like, ah, it was a real <laughs> blood curdling scream. I was like, I actually thought it was a really great ending to the scene to kind of fade to black with that scream, and then you mm-hmm. know kind of cut over to what we end up getting after that. Yeah, I think so too. There there are some. I won't say the cinematography is great, but there are some great moments. Uh, yes, agreed. As far as how they edited stuff. Yep. All right, so where are we going now? We're getting with Julie and Tom? Are they co- yes. are we going to come to the town? Yeah, they arrive here. And I actually wrote in my notes that the church looks like a New England church because that's not the type you would have like out west. Mm-hmm. And it actually is kind of interesting how this ends up playing into things here shortly. But yeah, oh, they we start... start- we start seeing some of the places she was seeing. Yes, and then well, this is where they kind of start to search around, and they end up going into the church and find like there's um, you know wax on the cross, um, and it also matches wax they saw at the Preston like homestead. And what? Can I ask you this real quick? Um, yeah. Because I noticed the car that Chatner was driving said had a P on it, and it said Preston. What what is this family? Are they well off or something? You know what? That's actually I completely forgot about that until you just brought it up. I don't know if like like they have a ranch they, or something. They might have, or they they don't look like they have that much money. But they because William Shatner have... is not a ranch hand. I'm sorry, he's not. No, no, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> he's not worked a day in a farm in his adult life, anyways. The only other thing I can think with him is that he might not actually live with his parents. And oh, he okay. might have his own company, and I guess the only like none of this is explained, but that's mm-hmm. the only type of thing I could think is like a alternate type explanation. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. I just assumed they had a ranch or a family business or something. I wasn't sure right. why they would have a car with their initial and their logo on it. Agreed. <laughs> but okay, I, I, there's just something I was wondering. I want to ask real quick before we get too no, much. No, I'm further. glad you brought it up because I. Like, I was wondering the same thing and then just completely forgot about it. Because that car makes a couple more appearances in the movie. It does, yep. <laughs> so, that's why I noticed it, because I didn't notice it till probably the, the last time we see the car. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, that's what that was on the side. I didn't know what was on the side of the car. 
Okay. Okay, so where are we at now? We're in the church. Yep, right? and then um, I know this is around the time where their car actually gets blown up. Yeah, it's and, just a loud explosion. Yeah. And then they go outside and their car is just... And you know what that reminded me of? What's that? Have you ever seen Us? Yes, yep. When they come around the corner and their car is just on fire, just sitting yep. right there. <laughs> and they're just like looking and they're like, oh, God, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was kind of creepy because you never... That's something I think is kind of cool because you, when all these things happen, it's always like a split second and then something crazy happens. But yes. then when you go to look, you don't see who did it. Exactly. I think that's kind of a cool thing they do in this movie. Yeah, they also have another cool scene that I'll bring up here in a minute that also kind of creeped me out as well. Um, but then from here is when they end up going inside of, I believe, like a bar or like an inn, and they encounter their first eyeless person as they kind of get... the Tom gets in a tussle with him, and they end up falling down the stairs. And once they kind of get to the bottom here, I'm, I don't love when they do this technique here, but Julie uses more of her psychic powers here. And we end up getting the backstory here of what led us to everything here, which was back in Salem, which explains how the church, you know, got out west here, <laughs> is that Corbus was the leader. And the pil- we, we get some this- pilgrims here. As yep, we do. Sure. Yes, we, yeah, we, I thought that. Say, I actually wrote that down. I was like, "Oh, we're back in the pilgrim times." Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you, whenever I imagine a cliche penguin, I mean penguin pilgrim, <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the look that I imagine. Yep. The hat, everything. <laughs> yep, and they actually have. Um, he's not. He's very upset with his congregation. Now it looks like his right hand man at the time is actually William Shatner playing the character of Martin Fife. Yeah. Fife's wife actually reveals that they are, they're actually technically witches here, but that they're actually following Satan, and then she brings a, like, mob to the house, and so... Now, she made, because she made a deal with that guy, I guess he's a religious figure yes. in this town? Yes, yep, because she made a deal to, to spare, kill her husband, right, exactly. Yeah, spare her husband's life in exchange for, I guess, telling him where this place was, I guess, I don't know. Yep, and then we end up seeing that pretty much the whole congregation ends up being burned for you know being witches here and she also stole the book and you know took it away from the uh, Corvus character what was the um so when all this is happening yep. and they have a battering ram which i didn't even know existed back then <laughs> which i thought was kind of cool did that exist back then or yeah that was more of like a siege weapon that was used in like the middle ages and everything like that I'm oh, surprised okay. they used it in, like, New England, like, early settlers' times. I don't feel like you did a lot of, like, siege weapons, from my experience, at least. Yeah, I don't feel like they were history. having, like, wars and stuff then, right? Not, I mean, not between themselves and the little towns, right? Yeah, not stuff like that, necessarily, yeah. Yes, I thought that was kind of weird. But what what is it that this little boy, and is this little boy somebody? Who is that? He gives him, like, some stuff, and he's like, you know what That's- to do. It's Corvus's son, I believe, or oh. that's, that's kind of how I took it. But the what I so, don't understand. Corvus oh, is a regular person in this movie, right? He's not. Yes. I mean, he's doing whatever he's doing, but he's not like he is later in the movie. He's a regular person in this movie. Yes, at first he was. I just mean, at this like, moment, I mean. Yeah, he was a normal like guy who end up becoming the leader of this congregation, and everything that happens here is because of that curse that he puts on all of those that kind of. You know, turn their back on him, 
and that's when he becomes like this evil entity that we have now. Yeah, he's kind of Cain. Was it Cain in Poltergeist? He's got a Cain in it up here. Yep. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I he put is. a curse on you and your whole bloodline and all that. And he's just laughing and he's just hamming it up while he's supposed to be on a on a stick about to be put on fire. It's it's yeah. it's a really his little rant here is pretty cool actually. I I I mean. This scene, this whole little drop back down to the pilgrimages isn't really what I wanted, but I mean, that makes it fun. I didn't like the inside part, but I did like his on the cross, I mean, uh, on the stake rant what, he was doing. What's actually kind of interesting here is, I don't necessarily know if the movie that I'm going to bring up is the first one ever to do it. This scene felt to me like the Mario Bava film of uh, Black Sunday. Because they actually have oh, okay. something that starts out like that, but they end up killing a woman in a very similar way. But this all takes place in Europe. And is that like an older? Like that that movie, sounds familiar. How old is that? Is that older than this? Or uh, after it's nineteen sixty, I think. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's cool. a black and white film. I would highly recommend it. It's got um, Barbara Steele stars in it. Okay, I've heard the name of that, but I've heard people talk about it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, but you're so saying I, it's, it's actually worth the watch, though? Oh, yeah. I I don't love it like some people. Like, it definitely has, like, a strong following. But I definitely think it's it's a good movie and definitely worth at least a watch. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll check it out. It seems interesting enough. But, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but this is an interesting, interesting moment. And this is all thanks to Julie using her dream power, yes. psychic power, whatever you want to call it. ESP, ESP power. To look into this thing's eyes and and know all this. Yes. Yep. So we know. So we understand what's happening as the watcher because she's watching the movie with us, guys. Yes. She's on she snacks. Is. Okay. She's on snacks. So she's gotta. <laughs> <laughs> she's gotta leave the movie here in a minute to go get some snacks. So we'll catch up with her later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's well, good. And I'll say from here, the movie kind of gets a little bit weird where. Tom wants Julie to go back to the Preston homestead, but he's going to stay, and this is where he ends up coming upon, like you said, the first of their rituals they do, but before she can actually get away, it ends up turning out that there's somebody in the backseat of the car and causes her to crash. Yeah, it caused her to have the slowest crash I've ever seen. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> Like a five mile good. per hour, like you could have jumped out, lady, I don't know. Yep. It wasn't going fast, but she... <laughs> and what, where was her psychic powers then? She didn't see that coming? I don't understand, It's actually lady. funny you say that, because I'm always wondering, people that are psychic, how they couldn't see, like, something like that happening. Yeah, but then you could get a whole movie like Next, where it was all just a psychic vision, too. That's true. Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> I have seen that movie, yep. I didn't like that that was a psychic vision. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for somebody. I'm really sorry. I just thought about that because you may want to watch Nicolas Cage and X. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Okay, oh. yeah, but how does she not know? I always think it's weird, like, and maybe it's because I, I grew up watching movies. That went, Since I got my first car, I always look in the back seat before I oh, yeah. take off. Ever since I ever heard about the urban <laughs> legend about the person in the back seat and, like, the you know truck turning on the high beams and everything like that, I've always looked in the back seat of my car before I get in. Yeah, I'm hyper aware of that because every move I've seen, I was like, I never understand how you can not know somebody's in the back seat of your car and like you not ever peek. I, I can't do it. So, and, and this thing has got to be, it's got to smell awful, right? 
I will say, <laughs> being that these people are supernatural, I could also see that there might not have been anything in the back seat, and they are just able to pop up because uh, oh, you know, like Satan. teleport or something. But yeah, the way they do it though, I was like, okay, this person's literally just laying down. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Oh, okay, so did we already get? Wait a minute. Where are we at now? Um, this is where it ends up cutting over to the first time that Tom is at this ritual. Where oh, he, so he, he does this Conan thing where he, uh, it felt like Conan. The, Did you ever? Yeah. Yeah, where he dons <laughs> where he, like, the, uh, a, yeah. the cloak and he just, like, starts moving through everything. Yeah, just kind of sneaks into this ritual that's happening and yep. nobody notices him at first. And the only guy with eyes. here is going back to somebody we were talking about, Anton LaVey here, is mm-hmm. he's in this weird gold mask. Oh, and yeah. he's helping out um, with Corbus, who's you know trying to do this ritual and everything like that. Yeah, this is kind of a weird. <laughs> yes, it is. Kind of a weird moment in the movie, but uh, yeah, he's he, he. This is when he's gonna turn into that weird, like horned creature. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know if that's supposed to be like a demon. Is he supposed to be the devil? But yeah, he definitely becomes this weird, like goat-like creature. That's that's something else we probably don't have to have. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think we need it. It doesn't. I mean, I guess I guess you have to have it. I mean, nowadays you'd have it, but yeah, I don't know. This movie is like early. I guess when it happened, I wouldn't think that. I would be like, oh wow. But now I'm like, I've seen it so many times. I'm like, uh, I don't need this. There's actually this weird thing where one of the cult members notices that Tom isn't part of their cult and ends up pointing it out and he is able to escape though yeah he gets away <laughs> he fights he fights his way out like warrior yes, style does, yeah. <laughs> this is you know what it's something i noticed in this movie i feel like they didn't have a, a full movie because it's already a short movie yeah but some of these scenes kind of drag on longer than they should like yeah. i feel like this drags on a little bit like him going through the houses and trying to get away well, this is also kind of weird here is I feel like they almost wanted to show part of the ritual here as well. And I think that's probably because Anton was, you know, the, the technical advisor there. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need some of the stuff that they're given there, especially because I don't feel like any of this is, like, correct. Yeah, it's not legitimate, so what's the point? Right. But I don't know. I feel like this scene, I feel like when they first come, they're kind of searching around for a long time. I don't know. I just feel like a couple scenes drag on just a couple, couple beats longer than what they should. I will so, say, though, for no reason. one of the scenes I found to be really creepy is when he finally does start to drive away to escape, and you keep seeing these, like, hooded figures just come out of, like, different houses and everything. And oh, you see, when, him, like, when him and the wife both rent, get away? I'm, yeah, I'm like, sorry. You're talking about that scene? Uh, I was, is she with him when that starts happening? Yeah, that was, that was when they out? left. That's when they, when they both... Because remember, like, when they left earlier, that happens, and then he stops the car, and he's like... You keep going and see the doctor, and I'm going to go back. And that's when he goes back to the ritual. That's right. That was one of the creepiest scenes to me when these people just start popping out of everywhere, and you can see the scale of them. Because you you start seeing a ton of them as the car is kind of driving up, and they're just everywhere, just standing there with hoods, like dark hoods, yeah. That's 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 a good scene. I like that imagery. Yep. Um, and then from there is when... It's a really hard cut from him sneaking out the back door... Kind of, and then just we're in the morning on the porch of the house talking yes. to the doctor. Exactly. There's some hard yeah. cuts in this movie. There really is, and I think that's kind of one of the issues I do have is because of those hard cuts. And this is where 
it gets revealed the book, and we were kind of talking about this in pregame. Is how does this doctor know about the book? Yeah, I thought that was weird, and I like his line where he's like, "Yes, this is a book that you never knew about." And <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and I, I kept thinking like, how did he get the book? But how did he know? How does he know? About how did he know where it was in their house to just go and get it? And like, right. why does he? How is this connected to his research? Right. Because we're gonna get to a moment here in a little bit where. Corbus is knows of him and his research, so I'm like, what see, is what does it all mean? Is there a I connection see, or what? I could see Corbus knowing the Doctor just because you know, being like a follower of Satan, I'm assuming that he kind of just has like almost all knowing like knowledge of like this person, but the other way doesn't make sense. Like the Doctor, I I feel yeah, like he needs something he to where he would know some of this stuff. See, they're missing. There should have been a scene, and this is my fan fiction. I feel like there, there should have been a scene where, you know, they were younger. Maybe the fa- the father, this doctor, or like everybody was younger. Yeah. yeah, and something happens, a moment kind of like this, and they get away because they because at the beginning of the movie, the mom was like, "Oh my God, I think he found us." So let's let's see a scene where, yep. maybe William Shatner was a baby or something, and they got away, and now they're hot. I mean, just. It really wouldn't take more than a, a couple minutes just to give us something yeah. that could explain. Well, especially because your runtime is technically below. Yeah, you have time. You have length. plenty yeah. of time. Yeah. You you can easily add ten minutes to this movie, and it really wouldn't matter. Yeah. And it would it could fill up every hole you have in ten minutes probably. Agreed. Or less, <laughs> or less. If you just want it to be straight up ninety minutes, but then just give me ten more minutes. <laughs> right. Cut out a little bit of some stuff and just give us some explanation. Because you know what? Well, I mean, and I hate to stop us down, but you know, when the movie starts, we're just in the middle of it, and we really don't even know what's happening. And it's, I don't know. I, I really yeah. feel like if this movie was made today, we would get the scene I'm talking about first, and we really wouldn't understand what would happen, and then we would just jump into meeting the characters instead of, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's how they would do it now. Like, they would just... yeah. I mean, Show us I don't that mind that this movie kind of just jumps right into, like, the creepiness because, I mean, it hooked me in immediately, but I also feel like it does, like, as we were saying, though, like, you could add, like, a scene or two to help kind of alleviate some of the, like, story issues here without bogging things down. And uh, uh, were they saying that the mom was a psychic? Because at the very beginning, there's a scene where she was like... I had a vision or a dream, and it always happens like this every time. It starts with the rain. I don't think she's having... I don't think she's psychic. I just think that once Corpus gets close, I think she starts having nightmares. Okay, so she's just feeling feeling that. Okay. And I almost wouldn't be surprised if, because, you know, Norbus... Or Corpus being, like, this, like, Satanist, I'm wondering if he is sending, like, the nightmares to her to kind of rattle her. Because, I mean, to him, he can keep chasing these people till the end of time. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so anyways, so after this part, they decide they're going to go back, and the yes. doctor's going to go with them. Yep, and then... Oh, yeah, is- oh, don't forget about uh, the book, in the book. All of a sudden, um, oh, yep. his brother's name pops up in the book or something. See, that's kind of what I have problem there, is that I don't think Mark... I mean, I guess he did make the deal, and he ended up losing, so he probably would have had to give his soul willingly. Yeah, I guess so, but that's... I don't know. Yeah, that seems no. weird. Somebody you would have to give it willingly, not, like, be tricked. Agreed. That's kind of the whole thing with, like, Satan is that you have to give him these things from what... I mean, I'm going off every movie I've ever seen, but... Well, I mean, that's... feels... 
If I mean, I think it's religion in general, right? <laughs> Don't people I, that are Christian like they give their supposedly you give your soul to God? Or? Well, not only that, but I mean, like even going as far back as like the story of Faust is that he had to willingly give his soul over in order for you know, like to obtain the power that he wanted. So, like, it's one of those things where they can't will they can't take your soul unless you're willing. And it's always got to be free will. Is, yes. is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess we can just say he lost the deal. So. That's yeah, what that's right. <laughs> but then the doctor and Tom end up going back, and I believe they're doing another ritual in order to change Julie to be part of the cult. But while they're doing that, the church is unoccupied, and the doctor and Tom go in there and start searching around, and they end up finding this really weird giant egg-like TV face type thing <laughs> that has a goat head on top of it. And it has a TV screen in it? Yes, it does, which I thought was kind of... <laughs> Not a horrible effect, but kind of weird. It felt big. It felt like Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. Kind yeah, of. like yes, it something does. that would be in that. Yep. <laughs> this is weird, like almost like a giant Fabergé egg or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm but this to think is of the term. this is the devil's reign, quote unquote. This is the titular <laughs> devil's reign. Which I still am kind of fuzzy on what that means, but it is raining inside of this. This, this they they and, say in the movie it's a holder of souls and the source of his power yes. right right yeah and then I asked you the question about the what's the book yep no I mean and I asked you the question so oh yep what is the book in relation to this is it because that's why I, I wasn't clear about that I know we talked about it in the pregame the I book believe is he the has key. to have yes I think you have to have the book in order to give the souls over to Satan so the souls are just trapped until yes. But then does he lose? I don't know. I don't. I want to ask that. But I was like, does he lose his power, or does he get different power? Or uh, I don't know. Because he has I'm power. I'm assuming still. it'll probably give him more power once he turns over everything that he needs to to Satan. Or I'm assuming eventually I would assume that a Satan would just take his soul for not being able to do what he's promised. Okay, I guess it makes sense. And and that matter. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, so they, they find this thing, and I think it's, then they get like, is it the sheriff that comes in and gets him? Uh, Attacks yeah, him well, all of a sudden? Yes, yeah, because do, they do have a little bit of a showdown with the sheriff who is now part of the cult and is possessed. Yeah, because it's just like they're sitting there, and then they're kind of investigating, and all of a sudden, I feel like he just comes in with an axe or something, or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, God. So, um... <laughs> Doesn't everybody just come in now? Is that what happens? Um, well, they end up taking this thing to the balcony, and while they're carrying it, they accidentally leave the book down oh, by yeah. this spot where it is. And this is actually, I believe, her, the first time we get to meet John Travolta finally. And I think I playing. asked you this because I noticed his face with his chin, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> when when was he a regular person in the movie? I never remember seeing him. So we don't. I think he's, he's part only of the demonic. cult from the beginning. He's only demonic in the film, okay? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that was weird. That's a weird... But to have such a recognizable chin that you still know who he is. Yeah. Because <laughs> actually, it's funny, is I was wondering probably like five, ten minutes before Travolta shows up, I was like, did I miss him? Or I was like, or is he the guy that they fought in the, you know, like the inn or the saloon or whatever it is? And yeah. then when I saw him, I was like, oh, there he is. But he actually goes into the church, finds the book... And then is the one that brings it out to Corbus, who is very excited that he now has it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Because <laughs> I was like, 
They put his name in there, but I'm like, really? Is he? He's just an extra. Right. <laughs> really, but I guess I don't know if they redid the credits or what. Why they added his name in there? Because he's not really. Well, I'm wondering because like Carrie came out just a few years after this, so like, but I mean, I guess you wouldn't have. I get you. Pro- he does I a do- lot more in that movie. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. Uh, it looked like he had been doing like TV and like TV shows and like TV movies and stuff. This is technically his first like um, like feature film, so I'm almost wondering if he had a. It doesn't look like he had any sort of following. It didn't look like he had any famous family members ahead of him, but I just feel like he was at least established more than other people that were just below him. In yeah, because I was like, man, I was waiting for him the whole movie. I was waiting for him. Yeah, <laughs> and then when yep. we got to this scene, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's it. I just missed him earlier. Same. So, okay, well that makes sense. That makes sense then. But he's in the movie, right. <laughs> kind of. Right. <laughs> so, yes. so is this when they have the the conversation where the doctor is like talking to um, Corbis and he's and he's like, oh yeah, I'll follow your work or something. This this is that moment, right? When they're just sitting there. Yes. Yes, it is. Yep. Yep, and I think right before this is where Tom jumps from the balcony to try to free Julie and ends up getting taken in a matter of seconds. Yeah, and it, then he confronts his brother at some point, doesn't he? Yes. Well, I know... Well, actually, it's the descendant now at that point, right? Yes, Martin, yep. whatever. Yep, when he has taken him over, Martin is now inside that body. And this is where, as you were saying that, like, Corbus and the doctor kind of have their banter back and forth. And I know the doctor tries to break the, like, Devil's Reign thing, but he's stopped by the cult members, which, again, is kind of funny that they just literally just yank it out of his hands. Yeah, just took it from him. And he's just holding it. Just break it. Like, what are you waiting for? Just break it. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> but he's just holding it. And it looks heavy, honestly, <laughs> for him just to be holding it. Oh, it does. But yeah, isn't it Martin that grabs it, right? So I actually thought that was a good idea there. Oh, did he, did he just take it from him? Well, no, that, like, Martin is the one that ends up breaking it because his wife oh, yeah, yeah. was the one who kind of turned on everything. And so it gives, like, you know, Martin his, like, redemption moment, even though we really don't get much of Martin. Why is Corp... That's what I understand. Why is Corpus letting this happen? Like, if he's got it, why don't you use your power or whatever and, and like, float it away from him or something? It seems weird that he would just let let it be handled by people. The only thing I could, that's his source the of power. The only kind of explanation I could see there is that Corbus does seem to be extremely arrogant and thinks that he kind of has control over everything. I guess so, but it, but he doesn't because the doctor talks in talks Martin into it by telling him, yep. you know, everybody, you, all your souls will be free. So, you know, just break it. <laughs> and, and so he breaks it. That's what he does. Yeah. And then it start that that unlocks the rain, right? It starts raining real heavily. Yep, it creates like a hole in the ceiling because it like blows a hole up there. And then it starts raining, and then we get this great—I mean, it's a long scene—of all these people that are part of the cult just start to melt because of the devil's rain, I guess, raining down on them. And we get this really anticlimactic uh, fight scene between Tom Skerritt and Corvus. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. a not a lot of action in this fight scene. It's kind of. Kind of a standoff, and then a grab, and then a almost dunk in the hole. I don't even know what's in the hole. Do we know what's is that? Is that a throwback to the picture? Is there something in the hole, like um, in the picture? The only thing I can think I don't I know, remember seeing faces or anything. Well, that was where the that like giant the devil's rain thing, thing was was being held, and I'm 
the only thing I can think there is that it, it has become like a portal to hell or like a pathway down to it. But another. But thing, that was from the picture. Do you remember there? The one of the, one of the pictures we see in the credits. There's a person's head being pushed down into a hole, just like his is. I thought they were just like trying to match up. It's match probably, up images. Yeah, that's probably what they were trying to do to use that as like a kind of a correlation there. Hey, Julie, can you hurry up with that soda? We're trying to finish the movie here because she's <laughs> on a cross still, right? I mean, no, she's, yeah. she's not on the cross, but she's still just kind of on the side, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. He's trying He's trying to, He's and Corvus is melting too, and he's actually swelling up and melting, it looks like. Yes. Because he's turning into something even more grotesque. What's what kind of makes it a little bit anticlimactic, as you were saying, for that fight, though, is like he starts choking him out, starts like pushing his head down into that, but then he just slowly melts, so then Tom can easily just kind of get away. Yeah, and that's and then he gets his wife, but she's she's looking in the hole. See, because everybody's melting away, but she's just looking in the I hole. I hated this ending because I got a question. Do you want to go ahead and spoil the ending? Because I have a big question about the. Yeah, ending. that's fine with me. Did they complete the ritual they were trying to do? I thought they were trying to turn her into a no eyes person. That's what I thought they. But were, were they not doing that? Were they trying to do what they end up doing? No, I think that's what they were trying to do. I hate this ending because I don't understand why her soul would be trapped anywhere. Oh, because I I had that. Okay, so so let's let's say what happens here. So, what happens is they they escape. Yep. Him and his wife escape. Yep. Everything kind of catches on fire or something. Uh, yeah, like everything starts blowing up and yeah, there's fire. Everybody's melted. The church ends up exploding. Yeah, you see, we get a ton of shots of people melting all the way down. Yep. So it's a lot of that. Green blood coming out of eyes. People saying, oh, no. They seem to love each other because people are grabbing each other's hands and stuff. I don't know. But anyway, so then at the end here, off in the distance, looking at the fire is Tom Skerritt and his wife, Julie. Yep. And they are just standing there. And then they embrace. And then as they turn, we see Corvus as his wife. Yeah, that was weird. And at first, I didn't understand what happened. And then the second time, I think I understood what happened, and then I read some stuff. So I think I know what happened, but I don't remember when we have a scene where he transfers souls with her or something. I don't understand that. Oh, is that what they're trying to say is what happened? No, yeah, because what they're saying is that he trapped her soul and, like, kind of exorcism style is inside of her body. Oh. And controlling it. And her soul is trapped, so that's why he can control the body, because... But I feel like it happened, and when she's looking into the hole, yeah. it's already happened. Because the way she's looking, she's kind of catatonic, almost. But she's looking and not reacting to everything. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like whatever happened had already happened at that point. Okay. But I don't know what happened. Okay. I don't remember what spell was said. I don't remember if a line from the book... Was somebody said, well, there's a line in the book that you can do something? I don't remember any see, of that See, that's happening. my problem with it is I feel like that's never kind of established. But, yeah, I see what you said is that I'm, I just went over to the Wikipedia page, and that's it says that his wife's soul is trapped in a new devil's reign. Yeah. So I feel like that's – so he's made a new one. and So maybe that's how he came back the first time. Okay. Because he's back. He he burns up originally, right? Uh, yes. So maybe he came back and possessed somebody else and took over their body. Well, it's So we're led to believe he's going to kill Tom Skerritt here. Right. 
the next day, hopefully before they have sex, hopefully. Well, it's actually going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's good Because that'll be interesting. It's also interesting is that, as we were talking earlier, I was like just looking at some of the character names on the cast list. Now, there's a Priscilla Corbis, who is portrayed by Diane LaVey, which I'm assuming is Anton's wife, and that plays his wife back in the uh, Pilgrim days. But the other one that was interesting is actually Matthew Corbis, and I'm assuming that was his son, so that could potentially explain how we have, you know, the er, uh, Ernest Borgnine Corbis, is that he could mm-hmm. potentially have possessed an ancestor of his. Oh, uh, makes sense, makes sense. Okay, I like, that does make sense. Okay. okay. Yeah, so he possessed, that's, that's what I think is happening. That's how he's still here, he's possessing people along the way. Okay. So that makes sense, that way. See, I don't mind that ending. I actually kind of think it's kind of cool. I, at first, was just thinking, like, oh, so we're just doing the typical horror movie ending here where we're going to just slide something in here to be like, ah, it's not over yet. And But if they... That's another so thing. did it feel queenie? Did it feel kind of queenie? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. For a Mother's Day reference? But at least queenie <laughs> gets introduced, you know, earlier in the thing where I don't think they ever talked about how he can transfer his soul into other people. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> that. All you have to do was see him like open the book and say something about it. Yeah. Or just just say just say anything about it. Or if you mention like, it, transfer, any, anybody mention it. Or you could have him transfer somebody else in the cult into somebody else's body. Oh, well, I mean, actually, I guess they did put Martin Fife's uh, soul back into Mark. And that's oh, you're so right. I, get, I just completely you like didn't right. think about that just now. Is that they did do that there. You're right. You're 100% right. So, you know what? So, the ceremonies they're having are to transfer souls, but to turn you into a blackout person, we don't have to have a ceremony, I'm guessing. It does, yeah. Is that what or if it is, it's like a different type of ceremony that probably doesn't take as much, you know, like labor. You're right. So, you know what? So, there you go. That That's the answer. That does work They just for didn't me. explain to us. At least they They didn't explain that. to us what they were doing. Yep. <laughs> but they did do it. Okay. Okay. They did it. I just didn't understand that's what they were doing. No, I'm glad you brought okay. that up because I was really annoyed, but having that information makes so much more sense now. Okay. Okay, well, they did, but I still want to know for sure what we're doing because I, I still didn't understand. Right. But I thought it was interesting seeing them just hugging and you see them that, <laughs> that Ernest, that Ernest Brugnan smile. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that turned around. <laughs> I, I was annoyed at the moment, but like... I was still oh, kind of like, that's kind of funny. That's also very creepy. That's kind of funny. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it's really creepy. Because I, I, first, I told you, like, the first thought I had was, he's going to kill him when they get home. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then, and see, I wondered if it had to do with her being a psychic or whatever. Did that make it easier for him to possess her? That's actually a good point. That's probably a body you'd want to take over. Because we were talking about that before, about yeah. her probably being easier, more open to that stuff. Yeah, that would make sense. So, yeah, but I don't know, but it was interesting enough, but yeah, I don't know if I like the ending. It's, it's an interesting way to go. Yeah. I don't hate it, but it's an interesting way. To, now, now that I know that that's what they showed us earlier, I don't hate it as much. I wasn't a big fan of it, but now that we've talked about that, um, I'm still not a big fan of it, but I think it's a, it's, it's okay. It's an okay way. To, it's not, it's not what you would expect. So I, I can't give it that. But I, I still feel like they don't explain enough that that's what's happening. Right. Agreed. Even though they say it, they said it. They actually said it. Crap. I can't. I don't even remember that. Until we, yeah. <laughs> they say it, it but I it just don't. It literally took me, like, talking to you about it for everything to kind of click there. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, man. I'm I'm with it. I'm I'm gonna say yeah. Sure. Yeah. I I still think they should explain it better. Agreed. <laughs> but okay, they explained it, so I'm down with yep. it. Yep. Okay, sure. man. Well, anything else uh, <laughs> you want to say about it? You want to jump into review? I think I've got everything out that I wanted to kind of bring up. This was an interesting movie, though. I Agreed. will say that. It's I would I would definitely say watch it. It's it's a movie I w- I did enjoy watching. Yep. It. Same here. Even though, now whether I recommend it or not is different, but I did enjoy, I did have a fun ride, I'll say yeah. that. Yep. All right, man, so you want me to go first, or you want um, to go first? I'll go first. I believe I had you go up first last time, so I can take the reins here. Um, for me, now, we have such a great cast here, and, I mean, for a movie like this, it's kind of shocking. So I actually came in for acting as a four out of five here, because I didn't really think oh, anybody wow. was any, like, that bad in it. I mean... There were some people I kind of just felt like were there, like the sheriff doesn't add a whole lot. But I thought the like core actors in this were actually pretty strong for me. Oh wow! Okay, so we're we're gonna be a slightly different. I'm gonna be at a three. Okay. I I was, you know, messing with a three point five. I really thought about it. Yeah. Because um, for me, Arnest Borgnon is good the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Tom Skerritt is okay. He doesn't really do. He really doesn't do a lot. Yeah. As far as acting, but he's okay. Um, he does what he does. Um, William Shatner is kind of the because he's half and half for me in the movie. He's half. I'm with you there. Good and then half not good. So he's so I, I was close to a three point five, but I think I, I'm going to settle at a three. Okay. Because most of that most of that's going to go to Ernest. Borgen, oh no, mostly. That's like one of the reasons I bumped it up as high as I did, just because of how great his performance was for me. But I but I easily could have been at a three point five. I was I was going back and forth with it. So yeah. All right, so that's good. All right, so let's go to the next one. All right, for me, um, now, the cinematography, we kind of already talked about. There's some really creepy shots, and there's also just some that I'm like, ah, you know, it's all right. There is some really hard edits that kind of really just kind of irk me at different times. But I'll actually say the effects in the movie are actually, I thought, really, really good. And I was actually really surprised at how good they were. But just because of some of those slight issues I had, I came in with a 3.5 for the cinematography and effects. Okay, I'm still gonna be at about a three. Okay, I could have been. That's the problem where I could have been a three point five. Yep. But um, again, like I said, the cinematography wasn't great for me. But I did think the um, the effects were pretty cool. Most of the practical stuff looked really cool yep. and creepy. But just the way they shot it wasn't that great to me. Yeah. So I couldn't give them too much higher. But mostly on the effects and stuff is where I'm giving. Most of the credit on this uh, cinematog- on the cinematography look at the film of it. Yep. So 3.0 for me. Okay. Um, and then for music, I absolutely love the like whispering and like chanting, just because I feel like that really just embodies the cult and like the ritual aspect of it. There is some music in there that I was like, okay, this is pretty solid. So I came in again here with like a 3.5, just because of what I did like really kind of overshadowed what I didn't, but I still can't go, you know, too much higher than what I gave it. Oh, wow. See, I'm going to be on the music. I'm going to be about a 2.5. Okay. And I'm going to, um, I like, I liked, I thought it was atmospheric. It was pretty cool, Yep. but it wasn't too much more than that for me. I didn't, okay. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. So that's why I'm, I could have been about a three, but I'm going to go about a 2.5 on mine. Okay. I did like some of the sound effects, but. I'm still gonna go about a. a two, I'm still gonna stay at two point five. Alrighty, 
And then for story and plot, this one I kind of went back and forth with on... I was kind of hovering around like a 2.5, a 3, just because there were some elements I think that weren't fleshed out all that well. I'll be honest with you, I, my favorite type of horror movies are like religious-based horror movies. So like including stuff like that, it kind of just, you know, ticks boxes for me. But after we kind of fleshed out some of these things, and now, like, now that I don't really have my issues with the ending, I actually came in with a three on it, just because there are some interesting things. They're just a lack of explanation that I can't go any higher. So I'm going to go, just because it is my favorite type of horror movies, I'm going to give it that, like, 0.5 bump. All right. Uh, we're pretty close. On, we're close. On, we're actually the same. I got a three I got a three on that as yeah. well. So we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good on that one. But mine, I went... I think it's actually kind of a cool premise, but like we said, some of the stuff, I just feel like if they could have just fleshed it out just, just a little bit, not even too much, just, just give me a couple scenes. Then I could have bumped it up to 3.5 easily. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a couple, cause it's, it felt like an anthology movie kind of like a little stretched out, like some weird family and you're just in the middle of this weird family's curse and you're finding out all the stuff about it. If there's a cool premise there, so. But three is the best I could do. Like I said, three point five. I was thinking about it. What we discussed, I really thought about changing it to a three point five. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna stay at a three. Okay. All right. And then for experience, I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. It's one of those ones like you don't hear people talking about it, but like, despite some of the flaws that I see with it and some of the issues, I actually had a lot of fun with this. Another one that I kind of bounced back and forth with where I was gonna end up going. I actually came in with a 3.5, though, as kind of my experience with it, and, you know, still had a lot of fun with it, but there's just, like I said, my issues that I can't necessarily go too much higher. Okay. Well, I'm going to actually be at a 4, <laughs> because I had I had a lot of fun with this movie. I really did, because I really wasn't expecting a lot of this. And it felt like a movie I had seen before, some parts, but some parts were so weird. Okay. And the parts that were so weird and over the top, I really did enjoy. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm think i going to go to, because it's just, the melting face thing was really, I thought it was a really cool effect. And I, when it happened so early in the movie, I thought that was a plus. Yeah. And then when we get it later and some mm-hmm. of the weird, the, the Michael Myers thing I talked about, I thought that was awesome. So there's just moments where I think I'm like having a great time. Now there's explanations I never get, but yes, for sure. there are moments I love. So that that's why I'm giving it a four because it's for back then I just don't feel like that's how they made yep. movies usually. So I, I'm I think I may be giving some credit for that because I, I really wasn't expecting it to go the route it did. Yeah. So that may be what I'm giving it some extra credit for, maybe. I don't know. But um yeah, I'm gonna give it a four yeah. on that. No, I mean, just kind of, you know, like, I literally bounce back and forth between a 3.5 and a 4, so I'm right there with you. All right, so what about your recommend on it? Um, For this one, I would definitely, if you like kind of like call, um, you know, witch, Satanist type movies, I would recommend giving this one a go just because of, like, how wild it is. And another thing for, like, my rating here, I'm kind of bouncing back between, like, a like a 7 or like a 7.5, you know, like in that 70, 75% range. So, like, I end up just because of, once again, my favorite type of movie, that I end up bumping this up to a 7.5 for my rating. Okay. And actually, man, um, I'm not that far behind you. 
Uh, I'm I'm gonna be right at about a seven. Yep. Or seventy percent. Yeah. Maybe I would even go probably like even you want to get like small like seventy two seventy three like you want to nitpick it. But I'm I'm probably right in that not too far behind you though. Because I think this movie was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And it's For just sure. it's just something that I think um, with these kind of movies like I was trying to think of movies that were similar to this as I was watching it. And um, and I, I seen some that were kind of like that, but it's all different. It's like different pieces of of a puzzle, kind of. <laughs> but I really enjoyed what they put together on this one, yeah, and I think I it would that. be fun for a lot of people. A lot of people could enjoy it. I think. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, maybe not for good. everybody, <laughs> <laughs> not everybody, but I would recommend it for if you're like a cinephile. Definitely, if you're you know on some deep dives or some old school. Horror, definitely, um, especially with the with the character list here, because a lot of these people come back and, and are in a lot of movies. Oh yeah, uh, throughout throughout the next couple of decades. For so sure. I would I would recommend it for that. You know, just for historical purposes to see yeah. William Shatner in a movie, because most people have never seen him. Probably anything pre Star Trek. That's a movie. <laughs> right. After Star Trek, I'm sure you've probably seen him in some stuff. But pre Star or during Star Trek and early Shatner. I don't think a lot of people have enjoyed that. So yeah. I think it's, it's kind of fun to see him play Captain Kirk in every role, maybe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I do recommend it for all those people. Now, if you're really a religious person and you really are triggered by anything that you that you deem satanic or the evil or anything like that, you're probably not watching horror movies, That's fair. first off. That's but fair. if for some reason this comes across... Your Amazon thing or something, you probably shouldn't press play. <laughs> but I would recommend everybody else at least check it out just to see what you think. Yeah. So, recommend. I'm going to recommend it. All right. Um, All right, man. Well, anything else you want to say about the film or you want to wrap it up? Oh, I don't think I really have anything else that I need to get into, so I think we can wrap it up. All right, man. It's been an interesting movie, though, man. I, I did enjoy it. I'm glad we were able to, to get back in the saddle here and uh, get some episodes out for everybody. We do a lot of obscure movies, and I think that's pretty cool because there's movies you probably won't see a lot of reviews about. So any movie we're doing, you're, it's a movie that you've probably never seen, and it's something that you know, you're getting an interesting take on from me and David. So always worth the listen, and I hope you guys always tune in to us. Agreed. All right, man. Well, you can go ahead and sign out your way. Yep, no problem at all. Well, um, yep. if you want to listen to me, I have – my podcast is on any of the type of feeds, you know, that you can find podcasts and everything. That's, you know, Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. I'd also definitely say to give Jake a listen. He, you know, has some fun stuff over there. And, I mean, I would also definitely kind of check out some of his videos as well because he does some great work with that. Um I think that's all I really kind of need to get you up to speed with. Um, continue to watch a bunch of like stuff from the 2010s right now for something I'm doing, uh, you know, as like a side project, helping out, doing like a people's council thing over there. And I'm still working my way, you know, through movies that are from 1941 currently. If there's any obscure title, David's probably heard of it <laughs> or probably seen it. Or it may be on his list of movies too, see, so... Right. Again, like we always say, man, like check out anything related to Journey with a Cinephile and all the different uh, things that, that you can find David attached to. And again, I'm uh, you can find me at Dark Mariachi Studios for any kind of video, short film, podcast, guitar case, fully reviews podcast available. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we're going to be signing out. Yeah. Well, 
for my end here, this is uh, David Garrett Jr., and I am signing off. And it's your main man, Jake, from Dark Mariachi Studios. And don't forget, be one of us. Come on a journey with a cinephile. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Side quest. I think cinephiles are, are on this other end of the spectrum. But I think a cinephile is more of a student of cinema. A movie lover is going to be less discriminating. Side quest. Drink some of this, Michael. Be one of us. Sometimes, that is better. I'm sick for fucks using one too many movies. No. Don't you blame the movie! Side quest. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Okay. Show me. Side quest. The podcast. You opened it. We came. It's just a podcast. We'll review your movie from every angle. Side quest.